BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Caltrain, the light rail system that runs from San Francisco to Silicon Valley, faces dire financial straits after a 98% drop in ridership during the coronavirus pandemic and now a dispute over a key future funding source. Caltrain officials are pushing to put a one-eighth-cent sales tax measure on San Francisco, San Mateo, and Santa Clara County ballots this November. But the fate of that measure is uncertain after two San Francisco supervisors blocked that board from voting to put it on the ballot. We're going to look at the future of Caltrain as officials warn of a possible shutdown. Joining us is Dan Brecky, editor and reporter for KQED News. And good morning, Dan. Good morning, Michael. Always good to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Let's uh, also welcome Charles Stone, who's a member of the Caltrain Board of Directors. He's also vice mayor of Belmont. Charles Stone, good to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to have you. And uh, Dan Brecky, I'm going to begin with you. Uh, we should say, first of all, that uh, there's pretty much a reliance in Caltrain on passenger fares, about 70% of its budget, and they've been losing about $9 million a month. And I wanted to also mention the fact that this tax measure, which is a pretty complicated proposal, to put it mildly, for the November ballot, would uh, presumably allow Caltrain to keep going and keep moving and uh, keep being funded. But this gets down, and Dan, this is where I, I want your wisdom on this. Uh, uh, some are saying uh, that this will save, it's going to save Caltrain, this one-eighth cent tax. Uh, so others are saying it's a re- regressive tax. It's going to fall on the poor who normally aren't the main riders of Caltrain down to Silicon Valley. But this gets into a kind of agencies competing uh, and, and local control. It's, it's even been called a parochial uh, dispute, and that's sort of what it is, isn't it? Well, you know, listen, um, I've been wrestling with this uh, for the last several days. Uh, there's, I, I've never seen a transit issue that gets more complex or down in the weeds than this one. But I, I think the thing to understand about this is that um, Caltrain has been a very popular and uh, very steadily growing uh, service for for decades now, uh, especially in the last decade during the economic boom. And um, it's done that without a dedicated funding source. So what we mean by that is whereas uh, Muni in San Francisco and VTA in Santa Clara County and BART all have some sort of sales tax base uh, as well as collecting fares, uh, Caltrain has done without that. And so it's paid for itself by uh, having fair revenue. It uh, gets about 70% of its uh, day-to-day operating exper- uh, expenses from fares, and it gets contributions every year from the three-member counties, San Francisco, San Mateo, and Santa Clara. And this one-eighth-cent sales tax 
which, you know, isn't a lot. Uh, if you just think of one eighth cent, it's about 12 and a half cents for a hundred dollar purchase, for instance. But it would raise a hundred million dollars a year, roughly, under normal circumstances, uh, non-COVID-19 world circumstances, to run the agency and expand it in the future. And there are grand plans that the uh, Joint Powers Board that runs Caltrain has approved that will more or less triple service and make it uh, much faster and much more reliable in the coming decades. So that's what, what the tax is for. What this dispute is about is how the agency is governed. Um, you know, through a, a series of what I'm going to shortcut to and, and say are historical accidents, San Mateo County and the San Mateo County Transit District have wound up running Caltrain. Partly that's because they put up the original money to buy the right-of-way in the, in the early 1990s, but there's, there's more to it than that. And um, what's happened there is, is that uh, the other counties, San Francisco and Santa Clara, who provide um, you know, this operating subsidy and who under the sales tax would pay about 80%, would pay in about 80% of all the money that comes in, they're feeling like, you know what, this arrangement with San Mateo County running this uh, agency uh, by and large is no longer suitable. If we're going to commit billions of dollars in the next 30 years to uh, run and grow this service, we need more of a say. And, and there's sort of a consensus that's formed in those two counties. And uh, San Mateo County, of course, has, uh, you know, they, they point to the efficiency of the service, uh, the fact that it's considered one of the best rail services in the United States, and, um, and, and say, listen, um, the, the simplest way forward is to get the sales tax up or down on the ballot without any issues of governance included. In other words, let the voters decide. Exactly. And yet, uh, at, at this point, what's happening, uh, or what do we know about this $2 billion project? You alluded to it a little bit before. It was supposed to switch, uh, to, <coughs> excuse me, diesel locomotives to electric cars, and all of that was in the works. Where does that Well, th this, is, this is part of a, uh, you know, a really long-range rail vision, where Caltrain is in the midst of switching over from the traditional diesel locomotives to an electrified system. And that's actually part of the, the whole California high-speed rail uh, project. And $2 billion has been committed from various sources, including the high-speed rail fund. Um, there's federal uh, transportation money in there. And I mean, the federal transportation money has actually uh, invited some of the uh, uh, local Congress people, including Jackie Spear and Anna Eshoo uh, from the peninsula, to sort of weigh in on this too. They want to see this uh, tax go before the voters up or down. And, um, and, and so, yeah, it, I mean, that project, however, um, you know, the electrification project, that's underway. And I think everything you hear is that that's going to happen. That's going to go forward, regardless of what happens with this tax measure right now. It, it, that's a little hard to understand if, uh, if uh, the agency is threatened with uh, having to suspend service at some point, but um, that money is committed and that project is going to happen. There's still a great deal at risk here, and maybe we can go to you on this, Charles Stone. Charles Stone, again, is a member of the Caltrain Board of Directors and Vice Mayor of Belmont. Uh, 
Some are saying Caltrain could go dark. Uh, I think uh, Supervisor Aaron Peskin has tried to put that to rest and has tried to shoot it out of the water. But uh, you've talked about the possibility of, in, in somewhat apocalyptic terms, I mean, uh, don't you see this as really a likelihood of uh, Caltrain not operating, which means, of course, a disaster in terms of traffic on 101 and long bus rides and, well, who knows what it'll do to the environment in terms of more cars. Absolutely, Michael. And first off, thanks to Dan for one of the better uh, histories of Caltrain I've ever heard told in that succinct amount of time. Um, there's so much going on in the world right now and in the region, and there's a lot of uncertainty, but we're going to see some version of normal return at some point. And when it does, I don't think we want that version to return to, to feature a return to gridlock and a huge increase in greenhouse gases and people sitting on the road. And that's the sort of thing that Caltrain electrification and Caltrain was already doing. I do want to uh, maybe offer a little bit of a, uh, a modification on one of the things that Dan said. Electrification is happening. The project is well underway. We're looking at a fully electrified Caltrain in 2022. And the money for that is there. That's true. However, if we don't get this sales tax on the ballot, I want to be clear, clear that there'll be no trains running on those electrified tracks. This isn't a likelihood. Come November, we're shutting down service if this tax doesn't pass. And anyone who tells you different is just trying to engage in a framing war. We simply cannot run. It's not a, it's not a we can cut our way out of this situation. We are highly dependent on, on user fees, uh, fares, and some of us don't necessarily like that. And one of the ironies is here, a lot of us were planning on using the sales tax money to move away from that system and to make it more of a public good. Um, and, and if we don't pass this, if, if the San Francisco and Santa Clara boards of supervisors don't put a clean measure on the ballot, like the legislation uh, that enabled this to happen anticipated, we're simply out of luck and Caltrain as we know it is going to cease to exist. Well, then what about, uh, let, let's bring uh, Supervisor Peskin, who along with Supervisor Walton on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors pretty much uh, saw to it that as I said, this went deep six. But Supervisor Peskin, for example, says you could raise the fares, you could tax the wealthy, you could sell or, uh, for that matter, build or lease uh, housing on uh, the agency property uh, or the agency-owned land. In other words, it doesn't have to simply stop, is his argument. Well, he also, excuse me, also said you could use buses and get stimulus funding, too, but uh, just throw that in the mix. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting argument, certainly. Um, and if Supervisor Peskin had been paying attention or been hearing from his colleague, uh, Supervisor Walton, who was on the board, and I don't know how much he reports out to the Board of Supervisors, we actually have spent a great deal of time the last year looking at our real estate assets and the idea that we could somehow uh, use enough of them to uh, kind of get the kind of financial windfall we would need to keep running just it isn't true it isn't borne out by the facts the right of way is a lot more narrow than people think it is and in addition to that a lot of it's needed for our future electrification series there's like three maybe four parcels that have some sort of potential the ownership is dicey some of them would require us to acquire or be acquired by other folks and and basically the point michael is that all of this would take months if not years to accomplish when we're on a very tight timeline and we've been operating under the assumption because the san francisco representatives to the board of uh, caltrain said back at our workshop on this very issue uh, this winter just a matter of six months ago or so that they weren't going to stand in the way of the sales tax uh, 
to try to solve all the governance and operations issues we're going to need to solve in the future overnight, essentially. And we've been operating under that assumption right up until a couple of weeks ago when all of a sudden the rug got pulled out from under us. I mean, our staff at Caltrain has been working for months with the staffs of each of the other six agencies that need to vote to put this on the ballot. And they came up with a clean resolution that all of the staff supported. And we thought that this was going to get the support it needed and that everyone understood this was the way we save Caltrain in the short term so that we can have the long term discussions. Well, Dan Brecky, to get this on the ballot, you're going to need essentially uh, three counties, uh, the supervisors from those three counties to agree. I think they're deciding in Santa Clara today, San Francisco. We got Matt Haney, Supervisor Matt Haney, who's fighting against uh, both Supervisors Walton and Peskin, uh, pretty much deep sixing this, as I said earlier. But you also have to have the boards of the transit agencies and you'd still need a two thirds vote for this to pass. Dan Brecky. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was just confirming with you that th this is, a, again, a pretty complicated approval process to get this on the ballot. You need three yeah. counties, three counties, and yeah. you need three agencies, yeah. and transit agencies have not necessarily been uh, working together in this in a synchronized way. Yeah, listen, I forgive my mute uh, disabilities here. Uh, so listen. Um, it happens to the best of us in this age of... Uh, of Zoom calls. Zoom um, calls, exactly. So, you know, it's a very tough process. There are seven boards that need to approve of this. And um, so far, two have, the, the uh, San Mateo County Transit District and the San Mateo County Board of Supervisors. That leaves the Joint Powers Board that runs Caltrain or, or oversees it, and, uh, and then the uh, two boards each in San Francisco and Santa Clara County. So three of those votes are supposed to happen today. Um, things have actually moved a little bit since uh, Supervisor Matt Haney got involved. He is now on the same page with Supervisor Peskin and Supervisor Walton with a modified uh, tax measure that would include a provision to take any tax monies that come in as a result of this tax, put them in escrow, and then um, release money sort of on a, you know, uh, sort of uh, oh, period by period basis, depending on what happens with discussions on the governance of Caltrain. And when we talk about governance, again, what the people in San, uh, the officials in Santa Clara and San Francisco County are looking for is some new agreement under which they would get what they feel is a, uh, a, a more meaningful voice uh, in, running the uh, Caltrain operation. They want things like uh, making the uh, CEO uh, accountable to the Joint Powers Board that includes representatives from all three of these counties. Um, they want uh, one, one provision of this uh, uh, legislation that Supervisor uh, Walton has put forward would hire an independent counsel, an independent special counsel and auditor for Caltrain, they really want to have a clean break between Caltrain and the San Mateo County Transit District, which most people know as SamTrans, because there's a belief that um, it, you know, the, the the intermingling of those two agencies has created some kind of disadvantage for uh, both the uh, the you know Santa Clara County people and the San Francisco County folks and makes the operations of the agency less efficient. 
I'm going to quote Supervisor Walton here. We'll be talking to him perhaps uh, later on in this program. He says, we spend millions, uh, but we make no decisions. It's taxation without representation. Well, let me ask listeners to weigh in here. Uh, we're talking about Caltrain's funding challenges with Dan Brecky and Charles Stone. And if you'd like to lend your voice to this discussion or be part of this discussion, or if you have questions, please feel free to join us now. I invite you to do that about the future of Caltrain, and really, do you support putting a one-eighth cent sales tax measure on the November ballot? You can give us a call, toll-free, 866-733-6786. Again, the number for your calls, 866-733-6786, or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email any questions or comments you might have to forum at kqed.org. And we go to you, back to you, Charles Stone. Here's Noe who writes, uh, why should the whole county pay for just a dozen people to take each train these days? Well, so a couple of things, Michael. Before I answer that, I just want to point out that the proposal that Supervisor Walton and Supervisor Peskin are floating is illegal. It doesn't mesh with the terms of 797. It wouldn't pass legal muster, and it would expose us to the type of uh, litigation that would just hold it in limbo for years. I also want to point out that we did appoint special counsel at Director Walton's request who's done a heck of a job coming up with a nonpartisan, unbiased analysis of the rights and responsibilities of the parties. Um, in response to that question, I'm gonna go back to what I said earlier. We are gonna return to a normal. It's up to us right now, as hard as it is, to, uh, with all the noise that's going on and all the crises that we're dealing with, we still have to keep our senses and wits about us and think about what we want that normal to look like on the other side of this pandemic. And while there might not be many people riding the train right now, there were nearly 60,000 people riding it a day before this happened. If you take it out to the uh, ends of the business plan and what we could do if we got the funding we need, you're looking at over 100,000 riders a day, maybe 180,000 riders a day. That's hundreds of thousands of cars we're taking off of 101. The electrification of Caltrain holds the potential to essentially remove several lanes of traffic from Highway 101. I cannot overstate that impact. I don't care where you stand on the political spectrum. No one wants more cars on the road. I believe that firmly. Well, let's bring in Supervisor Walton. Uh, Shimon Walton is a supervisor of District 10 in San Francisco Board of Supervisors and a member of the Caltrain Board of Directors. And uh, good to have you with us, Supervisor. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. And I just do want to dive right in in terms of uh, whether or not the proposal that Sanitary County and San Francisco are putting forth is legal or not. Uh, That's the first question I was going to ask you, so go ahead. go ahead. Yeah, and I know Mr. Stonefields, he's the only attorney alive in the Bay Area, but we actually have attorneys as well. And our proposal is not illegal. It's very legal, and otherwise we wouldn't be proposing it. And what we have done here in San Francisco and Sanitary Counties is come up with a comprehensive path forward for Caltrain. This would include forwarding a voter for, for voter consideration, a dedicated sales tax, to support the railway immediately and into the future, as well as engaging in meaningful and timely discussions of Caltrain governance reform, which we know is key to ensuring accountability and transparency for our constituency. And so even though that uh, San Mateo County leadership and Sam Trans feels that they can continue to operate the railroad without equitable input from San Francisco and Santa Clara, we just would not allow that as we make sure that we put the proper funding into Caltrain as we move forward. And San Francisco and Santa Clara County will be responsible for almost 80% of the revenue generated from this sales tax. And so we need to make sure that there's equitable accountability and equitable leadership across the board. And 
Caltrain cannot continue to subsidize uh, Sam Trans. I'd just like to hear what Charles Stone has to say in response. Charles Stone. Thank you. And always good to hear your voice, Shimon. Um, Caltrain doesn't subsidize Sam Trans, and no one has evidence to the contrary. If they did, they would have brought it up in the years long process we've undergone to get here. Um, let me be clear about something. Uh, I am an attorney. This isn't my area of specialization, but we also have attorneys who do specialize in this who have said that this uh, proposal is not legal. And I'm going to read to you from Senate Bill 797, authored by Jerry Hill, which is the enabling legislation for this revenue measure. It clearly states the net revenues from the tax are to be used by the board, the Joint Powers Board, for operating and capital purposes of the Caltrain Rail Service. Placing those desperately needed dollars into a lockbox subject to the whims of a few folks in San Francisco and San Jose not only offends the spirit of the enabling legislation, it's not going to pass legal muster, but really most importantly, the folks who are going to work to get this passed, the transit advocates, don't want this money to be conditional. They want it to be what was anticipated by the legislation and what Caltrain has always needed an unconditional and real dedicated funding source. And frankly, there is equitable representation in governance. And I think most people who've been paying attention know that there's a nine member governance board for Caltrain and three members come from each of the three counties that the train runs through. I can't think of a more equitable distribution of power and it's worked very well. As Dan noted at the outset of this interview, this is one of the most successful rail systems in America. Charles Scott, appreciate your being with us. Uh, the supervisor is going to respond, but I know I have to say goodbye to you, and I thank you for being with us this time, and appreciate it again. Thank you, Michael. Have a great day. That's Charles Stone, who's a member of Caltrain Board of Directors and Belmont Vice Mayor, and uh, Supervisor Walton, to you. Thank you so much, Dan, and I just have to say I'm not sure what imaginary resolution um, Mr. Stone has in front of us, but surely the resolution that we're going to put forth today in San Francisco and Santa Clara County We'll make sure that the resources are in a account that only the JPP and Caltrain can control. And as far as his statement in terms of people wanting a measure that doesn't address governance, that is just not true in San Francisco and Santa Clara. And so, yeah, I understand the good old boys of San Mateo County don't want us to break up this good thing that they've had where Sam Trans controls the whole rail system. They decide who the CEO is. They decide how long the CEO stays. And they also have counsel that only represents Sam Tran's interests, even though we are Caltrain as a railroad. And so those things need to change. Uh, we've come up with a strategy to make sure that that shared accountability, that shared decision-making is in place while we put millions of dollars into the railroad. And that is what we're going to be introducing today. It is quite legal, uh, and it is something that is very important for the future of Caltrain, and we hope that we can get San Mateo on board. All right. Well, we're going to get a lot of callers and comments on board. Let me read some of the comments that are coming in. Jen writes, I commute from Berkeley to Palo Alto, and Caltrain is a major link in that journey. Without Caltrain running, I would have no choice but to drive, and as it was, Caltrain's schedule, especially in the reverse commute direction, was barely adequate to meet demand. Caltrain was also the most pleasurable part of the commute, a much better experience than BART. Michael tweets, the pandemic will be time limited, so the sales tax should be time limited too. Otherwise, I will vote against it. Since VTA took my bus away, I have no good way to get to Caltrain without driving. And if I have to drive anyways, why take Caltrain? Getting obviously a whole spectrum of views here. Let me read some more. Martin says, Caltrain is running empty trains due to the COVID-19 crisis and is asking for a tax hike to keep them going. That's ludicrous. Now is the perfect time to shut down all Caltrain trains and finish the electrification project. Without active trains, construction crews can work 24-7 to complete all track-related work. 
And Sue says, why hasn't Caltrain governance proposed a more progressive tax, such as a gross receipts tax on the wealthy South Bay defense and multinational tech companies on the peninsula, as well as in San Francisco? And let's bring a caller aboard. Kim, join us. You're on the air. Hi, thank you for having me. I I also want to um, say that I believe we need to get away from these sales tax measures. We need to believe in our progressive tax system and corporate and corporations and the wealthy need to pay their fair share so we can pay for public good projects like this. We can't keep nickeling diming everybody um, constantly. The corporations in you know, in Silicon Valley benefit directly from the people that take those trains, and they need to start um, supporting these systems that their companies use um, to make the huge profits that they're making. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Kim. And Dan Brecky, I'm going to go back to you. This has been called by Aaron Peskin and probably Supervisor Walton would agree with this. A regressive tax falls largely on low-income people, and that's a great deal of the debate, isn't it? Well, sales taxes are regressive in nature. Um, they do fall unevenly on uh, lower income folks. Uh, th- there's no doubt about that. Um, in our post uh, Proposition 13 world, uh, sales taxes are one of the avenues that uh, local governments have been given to uh, continue to raise funds, especially for transportation, uh, uh, for uh, projects that they deem uh, necessary for quality of life. Um, all of the ideas people are floating are, are interesting and, and uh, worth exploring, and they would probably all require um, very difficult decisions and, and an equal amount of pushback from somebody down the road. One thing uh, on the question of legality of this, uh, Senator Jerry Hill, who wrote Senate Bill 797 that authorizes this tax measure, uh, just released a letter saying that he doesn't feel that the um, uh, amendments to the uh, tax measure that are being proposed in San Francisco and Santa Clara County are legal. So there's another voice in this whole debate about uh, what's going to happen. And it also has to be said, while these votes are supposed to happen today at these boards, no one's quite sure exactly what they're voting on. Uh, the final language for, uh, for these uh, resolutions has not been released. Dan, a lot of uh, uh, Peninsula politicians have weighed in on this. Uh, I mean, a whole cluster of them, right? Yeah. um, You know, I I had the uh, wonderful surprise of getting a joint call from uh, Supervisor Peskin and Mayor uh, Sam Licardo this morning, who I'd been uh, chasing over the weekend uh, to talk about this. And, you know, um, this this is an interesting story, too, because it's been there. There have been resentments boiling for some time about this management issue of Caltrain. If you're a Caltrain customer, or if you're somebody who uh, fancies themselves a a connoisseur of of public transportation, Caltrain appeared to be just a nice uh, rail agency that was uh, cooking along and had some really interesting plans for the future. But there is a real uh, historic, um, like I said, sort of resentment on the part of these uh, two other counties outside San Mateo County that's coming to a head now that big money is on the table. And we've got another caller here with a very little time, but Diana, seconds are yours. Good morning. Hi, uh, if I could uh, ask why the schedules of Caltrain and BART don't dovetail. I ride BART to Millbrae and there'll be 10 or 20 of us that come out 
uh, Caltrain during normal hours, not rush hour, only runs once an hour. So you, you have a whole group of people come out from BART, and we need to get south, so you end up having to take the bus or do something else. It makes no sense. They Quick response uh, to your question, Diane. Thank you for the question. Dan Brecky. Uh, lots of people have that complaint, yeah. and the agencies have to do better. Yeah, well, we'll leave it on that note. And uh, Dan Brecky, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to have you. You're welcome. Thanks, Michael. Dan Brecky is editor and reporter for KQED News. We also spoke with Charles Stone, member of the Caltrain Board of Directors and Belmont Vice Mayor, and uh, Shimon Walton, who is a supervisor in District 10 of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors and a member of the Peninsula Corridor Joint Powers Board. Thank you, our listeners and our callers and our emailers and everybody who joined in this segment of Forum and this whole first hour of Forum. Stay tuned. Mina Kim will be with you in the next hour. And for all of us here at KQED, I'm Michael Krasny. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.